Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Hello, I'm Dr. Steve Kopetsky, a preventive cardiologist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. It's a great pleasure today on our next podcast on Interview with the Experts to be speaking with one of our lead dietitians, Ms. Tara Schmidt, who used to work in our cardiovascular health clinic and now is the lead dietitian on Mayo Clinic Diet. Welcome, Tara. Thanks for having me. It's nice to see you again. The Mediterranean diet, it is something that everyone's hearing about. Is there anything that's essential to the Mediterranean diet? I really like to talk about what we get to include in the Mediterranean diet, right? We don't always see that Mm -hmm. in the diet world of here's what you don't get to have. But Mm -hmm. with the Mediterranean diet, we like to talk kind of in this daily, weekly, less than ideal situation. So daily fruits, vegetables, whole grains, plant-based unsaturated fats, weekly fish, white meat, skinless poultry, eggs, beans, legume. It's going to be a little bit lower, of course, in high fat dairy, pretty significantly lower than our typical Midwest diet in red meat. And then we can also talk about kind of the lifestyle components too, right? So mindful eating, sitting down, enjoying a meal with your family, which we can get away from sometimes, of course. So you you mentioned some of this, but what's the real difference that you see between the Mediterranean and the standard American diet? Yeah. Are you the one who likes to call it the sad diet? It just happens to be a pun that standard American is sad. I'm afraid so, yes. (laughs) So I think a Mediterranean pattern is going to be pretty significantly lower for some people, of course, in ultra-processed foods. Mm -hmm. I think it is going to have less red meat and less processed meat, Mm -hmm. less high-fat dairy. And then it's going to be higher, I think, than our typical intake in fish, fruits, vegetables, beans and legumes. Our last dietary guidelines showed that about 80% of Americans were not eating a dietary pattern that had adequate or high fruits and vegetables. A couple of things. There have been some studies that have included certain components, other components that we all just mentioned. What about the olive oil and what about the nuts? Absolutely. And PrediMed compared both those two, right? So they had this kind mm-hmm. of standardized Mediterranean diet, but then broke mm-hmm. the two groups into olive oil and nuts. And when I talk to people about the Mediterranean diet, I talk about replacing their typical cooking fat with olive oil. We went through that kind of low fat craze, you know, good while back now, but people kind of still remember that. So I have to remind people that we're not talking about decreasing your fat intake. We're talking about decreasing your saturated fat intake and replacing it with unsaturated fat. And from a Mediterranean pattern, olive oil would be great. Now, how can patients adopt to more Mediterranean? Is it all at once or slow or how how do you get them to change? Yeah, I like to go through that list that we were just talking about and ask them where they're willing to add something. So I'll say, how often are you having fish or seafood now? Are you willing to increase that by one? Are any of your meals missing a fruit and or a vegetable? Can we add one there? What's the oil that you grab out of your cupboard most often? Can we replace that with olive oil? What dishes does your family already like? And can we have some beans? Can we replace meat with beans or can we add some beans to that? So talking about their current eating pattern, that's how I would 
typically counsel someone about here's what I eat now and here's kind of a, a step in the right or the, the Mediterranean direction. Now, I know you have a couple of little kids. What if you have kids and they want to eat spaghetti and pasta and pizza? You know, how do yeah. you how do you get them to change over with that? In combinations, right? So when my family does have pizza on Friday nights, we also have salad and we have the salad first. My kids like quesadillas, but they actually only know about black bean quesadillas because that's all <laughs> that we make in my family. So yeah, I don't think it has to be one or the other, but Another component that we're just getting into safely in my home is including them in the kitchen, right? So even if it's stirring something that doesn't really need to be stirred or pouring in the ingredients or giving them a measuring cup, getting them in the kitchen, I think, and has actually been shown to help children and families kind of come together and adopt healthier habits as one unit. All good ideas. So you still have these things that we may not think are the healthiest. You just try to make them a little bit healthier, put a little extra broccoli or a mushroom or something on the pizza, yeah. not quite so much pasta, just a little more uh, of veggies or something mixed in. Oh, that's a great idea. Now, how about cost? You know, people always say all oh, these fruits and vegetables, it's so hard to get them. They, they go bad so quickly. They cost a lot. You know, what's the what's the down low on that? Yeah. And the Mediterranean diet has actually kind of been called out on being assumed very expensive um, or kind of elitist diet to follow. But if you look at the components of it, I don't think it has to be. So if we talk about beans, you, know, you can't argue that beans are expensive. If you don't want to fly your fish in from summer, you can just do canned fish or the tuna or the salmon in the Ziploc pack. Someone is single or doesn't eat a lot. And you don't want to buy that whole head of broccoli because it's likely to go bad if you don't plan well enough in advance. Okay, sure. let's get the flash frozen broccoli, pour out the amount that you want, and you're unlikely then to waste it. And with fruit outside of frozen, like we talked about, something I'll counsel people on is learning about seasonal fruit and then buying, of course, within season, it's going to be cheaper. And maybe, you know, in the middle of, of winter in Minnesota, we just, we stick with the frozen berries instead of paying upwards of $10 for mm -hmm. a pint. Oh, it's, it's great advice. And it has been shown, as you imply, that the flash frozen are just as nutritious and probably more so. If not more, than, yeah. Than things picked, uh, you know, a thousand miles away and shipped here. Yeah. The um, And what about, you mentioned about the, you know, the salmon, the fish, is it, does it matter if it's packed in oil or packed in water? I typically would tell my patients to select water, but we, in nutrition counseling, we have to look, would that patient benefit from fish, you know, packed in water? Do they need more calories? Are they not getting those sources from other places in their diet? So I would probably ask a little bit more about their, their typical patterns. Another thing with cost saving on the topic of fish is if we are decreasing someone's red meat intake, we're decreasing someone's cheese intake, we're decreasing someone's kind of ultra processed or sweets, they're saving money right there, right? They're also saving money if they're not eating out of the home as much too. You mentioned about, you know, the, it depends on the patient. So that brings to the question of weight loss. What about weight yeah. loss? Can it be used for that? It can if we're intentional about it. So I like to tell people the Mediterranean diet itself is not a weight loss diet, but we can make any pattern of eating a weight loss prescription or program if we make it calorie restricted. So the Mediterranean diet does have some calorie dense foods, right? Olive oil, nuts, avocado being some examples. But if we help someone make their eating pattern 
calorie restricted by 500, 250, whatever it may be calories, there's weight loss. We have a, a Mayo Clinic diet Mediterranean meal plan, um, and that's a weight loss program. And I believe that you may have helped design that when it was going mm -hmm, into production. Mm -hmm. So doable. Yeah, they're very true. Now, what about alcohol? Where does it fit in here? Yeah, so a lot of the assumption is about wine and, and the benefits. So I think we have to talk, and, and I'd love to hear your opinion, about weighing the risks and the benefits. Mm -hmm. and, and generally speaking, I feel like the research is pointing us to there are more known risks than there are known benefits. And of course, we would never encourage someone to drink or to drink more than, than what their baseline is. Yeah, no, it's, that's true. And one thing about alcohol, at any dose, it is a rhythmogenic or it can cause irregular sure. heartbeats. And so they have to be uh, cognizant of that. And remember, as you pointed out earlier on the Predimed study, it allowed uh, three ounces of wine a day for a woman and five ounces for a man. So that's probably much, much lower than the average consumption yeah. that we have now in this country. And can you use the Mediterranean for to lower cholesterol or lower triglycerides or is it only in certain groups that it may benefit? Yeah. So when we talk Mediterranean, I've been saying kind of eating pattern a lot because it's not as prescriptive as some other diets are. So in terms of risk, we do know that it can lower cardiovascular risk. And when we talk about cholesterol and triglycerides, where was their baseline? So are we significantly decreasing someone's intake of, of red meat or of ultra processed high sugar simple carbohydrate type foods. So if we're making a shift in someone's overall intake towards a diet that can lower cholesterol, towards a diet that can lower triglycerides, Mediterranean's a great pattern and, and we use it a lot for people with hyperlipidemia. Yeah, that's a great point. The fruits, the vegetables, and all the pulp and the fiber, they, you know, yeah. they're non-caloric carbohydrates and they do not raise triglycerides and they'll actually lower it. This is so important. And we see patients every day that probably need to do this. How does a provider get that concept across to a patient in the two or three minutes that we really yeah. have to talk about something like that? It's tough. And if you don't have dietitians at your disposal and say, all right, I'll just, I'll send you a Tara's way. It's even more complicated. So some of the things that you and I have used in practice are quickly assessing that patient's current intake. So whether that is having them fill out a one day food record on an iPad or on a piece of paper in the lobby while they're waiting, a food frequency questionnaire, or we have specifically used that 14, 12 to 14 item assessment tool that they did in PrediMed. So we adapted some of the wording to kind of make it fit more of our Midwest pattern and make it make sense for our patients. But we help them identify how close they are, how adherent they are to a Mediterranean diet. It's kind of like a checklist or a point system. And when someone doesn't get a point for having fish three times a week or for having beans multiple times a week, there's your education point of, all right, are you willing to do so? Are you willing to increase X? Are you willing to, to decrease Y? And I think a smart goal or two can be set in a few minutes as long as that patient is aware of kind of some of the main principles of that diet. And when you say SMART goal, is there anything specific about that a provider needs to know? Well, I, outside of the SMART analogy itself, mm -hmm. I think 
having the patient make it realistic, so the R, is most important because we have a lot of patients in our office who are motivated at the time, who are motivated because they're sitting across the table from you, or they have a dietitian that they're speaking to, but they have pretty large goals that might not be able to turn around in a day. So I'll even say sometimes, I want this goal to be doable tomorrow, or if you're not going to the grocery store tomorrow, by next week. And sometimes that reigns it in a little bit, and it's not going to fit that perfect Mediterranean diet, but it's getting them closer and closer. And we know with nutrition that we have to have people make slower changes so that their adherence is higher in most cases. That That's such an important point because otherwise they fail and then they say, well, I can't do this and they go back. But I really, I mean, with me and, and patients, many patients say it takes them months, if not years, really to work mm-hmm. on that and also remind them, hey, life happens. You know, you go to yeah. family reunions or neighbor's house, you know, you just do what you can there. Well, this has been a, a, a great, uh, you know, just a great conversation. You pointed out that Mediterranean does lower cardiovascular risk separate from lowering cholesterol, it lowers it very quickly. You also pointed out the key components, some olive oil, some nuts, some uh, fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains. You pointed out that trying to eat more of those and less of the ultra processed foods and how it's those things are taking over our lives now in this country. Uh, this is a very important subject and something that uh, is the number one risk factor now for, for unfortunately, for heart disease uh, in the country. The Any other parting words of wisdom you would like to impart to us? I think using the phrase plant-based with patients can be helpful. I, I don't want to scare them off by saying veganism or vegetarianism, but we have so much lower risk with plant-based eating. So all-cause mortality, cardiovascular disease, LDL, blood pressure, risk of obesity even. So if we can increase our patients' intake of, of just plants, generally speaking, we're doing a lot right there. So true. And one bite at a time. Yeah. Even one bite has been shown after a couple of years to reduce your heart attack. So switch that that piece of sausage for a little bit of black beans (laughs) or something like that. Well, this has been great talking with Ms. Tara Schmidt, our lead dietitian at Mayo Clinic Diet, here on Interview with the Experts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast by emailing cvselfstudy at mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform and tune in each week to explore today's most pressing cardiology topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.